This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, July 31st. This month is over. It has flown by. Tomorrow's the 1st. Some kids start school here in Georgia. My son starts this coming Monday the 6th, but it's that time. Summer's over. It's time to get the kids back in school. I wish for everyone that has kids under the sound of my voice that their child has an amazing and, more importantly, safe school year because we've seen over the last few years and recent months a lot of things happening in schools where a lot of parents, including myself, get very scared to send our kids off to school because you never know what hap- what will happen. But I want to wish everyone a very safe, prosperous school year. So if you have kids, make sure that they've started school. Tell them you love them. Give them that hug outside the door, even if they don't want it, because you never know what could happen inside our schools here in this country. And I want to make sure that I personally do that for my son. Now, granted, yes, he's starting his senior year. He's 17. He's six one and a half. But that doesn't mean I can't show him that affection on his way out the door every morning. Uh, So make sure you do that. So I want to switch gears and get right into things because things are heating up in the state of Florida. And it all comes around to the stand your ground law. Now, if you remember a few years ago, this law, it's been on the books for quite a while. Uh, Governor Bush actually had it... uh, implemented and signed into law many, many years ago down in the state of Florida. And of course, you know, the stand your ground law basically says you do not have a duty to retreat if you believe there's an imminent threat against your life or something that would cause you serious bodily injury. Of course, it became really famous several years ago with the Trayvon Martin case and with George Zimmerman. If you remember the prosecutor Uh, in that case was going for first degree murder and George Zimmerman got off. Now, a lot of people said that was because of race, but the problem with that was they did not have the elements of the crime of first degree murder or in most states it's called malice murder. They didn't have those elements. So George Zimmerman walked and one of the attorneys for the family of uh, Trayvon Martin was, of course, Benjamin Crump. Now, a lot of you guys know how I feel about Benjamin Crump. I believe he baits a lot of stuff, and I'm not talking fishing. He, ba- he baits a lot of stuff. So uh, he's he's been talking about this latest shooting in Florida. It happened about a week ago or so. Uh, again, Marquise McLaughlin. Now, to give you some background, here's what happened. He was inside a little convenience store, like a a gas station or something. His girlfriend uh, was parked in the handicapped spot with the kids in the car. So this individual uh, comes up and, you know, says, hey, why are you parked here? Whatever, whatever. We don't know. You can only see it in video. We don't know what was said. Now, this individual, Mr. Dreska, I think is how you pronounce it. He's not in the car. He's not 
leaning in the car, being threatening. He's just talking and having this conversation about this parking spot. So, of course, most of the mainstream media said, you know, black man killed over parking spot. But that's not why he was killed. So, uh, Marquise comes out of the store. He sees this guy by his wife's car. I assume maybe that Mr. Dreska was yelling because you see Maurice Marquise walk up to him and push him down to the ground. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Uh, of course, the sheriff has decided not to file charges because Dreska says he was standing his ground. Now, this is where it's up for debate. And of course, some people want to just use the race card and say because he was a black man, he can walk away from it. And I'll play a sound bite from Benjamin Crump when he was on CNN uh, just a few days ago. But when I watch the video now, of course, I always say take color out of everything. Take color, economic status, sex, race, take it out of everything and look at the facts of the case. When I watch the video, initially, I could say, mm, I can understand why Dreska thought there was an imminent threat against his life. He gets pushed to the ground, not like he got pushed and he kind of took a few steps back before he stumbled to the ground. No, he got pushed. He immediately hit the ground. So it was a pretty hard push. But here's where the problem lies. And, you know, I call it right down the middle. Here's where the problem lies. When you watch the video, Marquise McLaughlin, actually, after he pushes him, he does not, like, stand over him to get ready to beat his butt. So he's not standing over over him in a threatening manner. And he actually starts to walk backwards. Like, I pushed him down. Dude, get the hell away from us. We're leaving. Then you see the gun come out. And then you can see Marquise taking more steps backwards. So, but the sheriff, who is also an attorney, says that there was reasonable evidence to suggest that Dreska was standing his ground and he was at an imminent, he was in imminent fear of his life. Now, again, some people say it's because it was race, but I'm going to have to play it down the middle, play devil's advocate. It's like I always say in policing, when people want want a Monday morning quarterback, when police say they were in fear of their lives, and Marco Mara said it best. He actually defended uh, George Zimmerman, but I watched his interview he did about this on CNN, and he said it best. He said it's just like when police, there's no one that sees that situation the same way an officer in the heat of the moment sees that situation. So when an officer says he believed it was reasonable, no one else can articulate that because they were not in the situation. They were only a witness or they saw it on cell phone video or whatever. And he made an excellent point. And he said, and for Dreska, even though Marco Mara says he didn't agree with the shooting, he says, we cannot determine what he believed to be an imminent threat against his life. Now, there's several factors that could have happened here. Again, he wasn't standing over him. Marquise McLaughlin was not standing over Dreska like he was getting ready to beat him up. He was walking back towards the car. So, again, playing devil's advocate, maybe, just maybe, he thought he was going in the 
the car to get a weapon. We don't know. It doesn't look like that on the video, but we cannot place ourselves into the mind of that guy in that exact moment. Now, again, do I agree with the shooting based on what I saw? Would I pull the trigger? Absolutely not. Would I maybe have pulled out my gun like, hey, dude, I will shoot you if you come closer, even though you've backed up four to five feet away from me. I'm letting you know if you step to me while I'm still on this ground and I'm already in a defenseless position, I'm going to shoot you because I don't know what you're going to do to me. I probably, most likely, definitely would have pulled out my gun just to let him know. But the problem I have with the video is the fact that he was backing up. He pushed him down. He backs up. You can see he's talking. Of course, the the, the surveillance video does not have audio. So we can assume it was something like, hey, MF, why are you sitting here yelling at my girlfriend in front of my kids or something like that? We can assume that. We can also likely assume that even after he pushed him and while he was backing away, that he was still being very confrontational and understandably so. If I was in a store and I come out and there's some guy yelling at my son in the car, I'm going to be a little confrontational. Now you have your kids, your kid's mom in the car. There's this guy by the car. I can understand him being upset. I totally get it. But does that mean that there was an imminent threat against his life? And I'm going to switch gears and bring it back to race. How do we know that if Marquise McLaughlin was white, that this guy, Dreska, wouldn't have reacted the same way? Because we don't know what Dreska's fighting skills are. We don't know if he's just a little punk like George Zimmerman, who was getting beat by Trayvon Martin, so he decided to kill him. Because that's what I truly believe happened to Trayvon Martin. I don't believe it had anything to do with staying your ground. I believe when Trayvon saw this weird-looking short dude following him, he ran like any kid would do. And when George caught up to him, Trayvon's like, I don't know who you are. You didn't say you're the police. You don't have on a uniform. Why are you following me? You could be a freaking kidnapper, a pedophile. I'm going to kick your butt. And then, boom, he got his butt kicked. He shot Trayvon Martin. But back to what I was saying. We don't know if Dreska wouldn't have reacted the same exact way had Marquise McLaughlin been named William Smith and he was a white guy. We can't say that because we don't know. So to just immediately throw race into this, and like I said, Benjamin Crump is there. Al Sharpton's going down there pretty soon. To immediately throw race into this is wrong because we don't know. We can't assume just because he was white that he wouldn't have reacted any other way if somebody else did it, a white guy, a Chinese guy, a Hispanic guy, an Italian guy, we don't know. He, Dreska, may think if someone thumps him on the head, he has an imminent threat against his life because, again, he could just be a punk and he gets scared really easy. And when he got pushed to the ground, he got scared really easy and thought his life was in danger. We don't know. But what we can't do 
especially now in this country, when everybody, especially on the left, is saying everybody's a racist if you're not black, we cannot, we cannot, let me say it one more time, we cannot just say, well, because the guy was black and because the shooter was white, then he didn't get charged because it's racial. But that's what mainstream media is doing about this shooting in Florida. They're not, they're not looking at the facts. They're not taking into account what I just said, that maybe this guy's perception is totally different than someone else's perception. Again, because it's easy for me to watch the video and say, well, he was backing up and he didn't pose an imminent threat because he was backing up. But then again, I'm not a punk. I know for a fact I'm not a punk. So if someone would have pushed me, my first reaction really would be to get up and start scrapping because that's what I do. I'm a scrapper. When I was on the police department, people wanted to fight all the time. So trust me, I'm up on my skills. Again, I'm not a punk, but I cannot put my mind inside of Dreska's. But I can say we are wrong for saying it's racial. And again, everyone's talking about how this country is so racially divided, but yet we still have the same exact people that are still dividing this country. And it's not the current administration. It's not. It's people like Benjamin Crump who's saying it's because he's black and this law is made just to kill black people. His words, not mine. And it's people like Al Sharpton that will go there and say it's because he's black. America doesn't care about the black man. America doesn't care about this. Well, first, my retort to that would say, how come you guys aren't speaking up about these 750 black kids that were killed in Chicago by black kids? So are you also saying black America doesn't care about the black man? But anyway, I digress from that. But take a listen to what Benjamin Crump had to say. We think the law is a bad law that encourages uh people to take the law into their own hands. It's a license to kill black people and people of color because many times when... So you heard it. Like I said, his words, not mine. It's a law intended to kill people of color. And he didn't say white people, but I assume that's what he meant because he said it's just a law intended to help, help people kill people of color and get away with it. But again, I don't see him saying this in Chicago of to those 700 plus victims that got killed by people that look just like them. I don't see that. But it goes back to what I was saying about race baiting. You're on this national program, CNN, and you're talking to a predominantly left audience who does believe, yes, it only happens in the black community. You have white actors now saying that black people are scared to walk down the streets and Every white American has white privilege. I can tell you, I know some pretty broke white people that are waiting for that privilege, if you know what I mean. But you got this audience listening and buying into this, but yet everyone wants to say someone else is dividing the country racially. Take race out of that shooting. Like uh, Matthew McConaughey did it best in A Time to Kill. 
where he's doing his closing arguments and he tells the jury to close his eyes and he talks about the little girl being raped and then chained behind a truck and then being drugged for miles and miles and miles and then being stabbed before she dies. And he says, now imagine she's white and the jury just opens their eyes like, oh my God. So imagine if Marquise McLaughlin was white and the exact same thing happened, would we be hearing about it? Imagine if Marquise McLaughlin was white, would CNN's coverage be the same as it is since he's black? Let that sink in for a second. If he was white, we likely wouldn't have heard about it. Or, let me go one step further, if the shooter, Dreska, was black, it would have just been on the 6 o'clock, 10 o'clock news. A shooting occurred at a gas station today. Police are in search of a black male in his 20s, and that would have been it. Nobody would have known the name Marquise McLaughlin other than his kids, his wife, girlfriend, whatever she is, his family, and that's it. Close your eyes and imagine Marquise McLaughlin was white. Or close your eyes and imagine Marquise McLaughlin shooter was black. And imagine the different outcome you would get from this story. Now, I do, however, want to credit uh, Marquise's dad because he actually did a press conference and he talked about the case, but he never once brought up race. He never once said the guy got off because he's white. All he simply did was attack the law. And yes, the stand your ground law is very controversial. Some people agree with it. Some lawyers agree with it. Some lawyers don't agree with it because it allows police to decide if someone should be charged. There's a lot of people that say it needs to go away. There's a lot of people that say it needs to stay. I'm kind of 50-50 for the simple fact. Again, when I watch the tape of Marquise being shot, I don't agree with it. But at the same time, being former law enforcement, being a gun owner myself, being a guy that never really leaves home without his gun, I agree with it in the sense that if I'm attacked and I'm provoked, or if my family is attacked and provoked while we're out, I'm not going to run and retreat because usually the bad guy chases you anyway if they're trying to rob you or do whatever, right? So I'm not going to retreat. I'm going to stand my ground. And if I believe the imminent threat is there, I'm going to use deadly force because that's what the law allows me to do. So I'm 50-50 because A, some people shouldn't carry guns anyway. I said it about George Zimmerman. He was an idiot that probably never should have had a gun because he's got some mental stuff going on. He's got this short man's complex going on. If you look at what he did after he got acquitted the Trayvon Martin case, 
I'm surprised someone hasn't sniped him out already. If you look at the history he's done since he got uh, acquitted, I just believe some people probably don't need to have guns because that's going to be their answer for everything. But it is their Second Amendment right as an American citizen. But does everyone consider what's reasonable fear of imminent danger the same? That is the question. Does everyone consider an imminent fear of death, bodily injury, the exact same? Your articulation may be totally different than my articulation. I may say I did not see a threat because I saw the individual, Marquise McLaughlin, backing away from me. Although I was on the ground, he never stood over me. He never threw a punch. I never lost consciousness. I never saw him go for a weapon. Weapon. So I believe there was not an imminent threat. But again, Dreska, just like Zimmerman, could be a punk who got his butt kicked a few times, who gets intimidated really easy, who gets scared really easy, and in his mind, this is his mind, not mine, in his mind, and not his white mind, just his mind, he may have believed there was that imminent threat. We need to put an end to this. Any kind of law that allows one man to kill another man and the man that pulled the trigger don't even get fingerprinted needs to, be, needs, needs to stop. Something needs to be done. All right, there you have it. That was from uh, the father of Maurice, Marquise McLaughlin, Michael McLaughlin. There you have it. He didn't bring race into this. He didn't race bait anything. He wasn't listening to anybody that's probably telling him certain things. He just simply attacked the law. And that's what it is. He attacked the law because I've said time and time again, you can say race, you can say economics, you can say whatever you want to say, but the law of the land supersedes anything and it supersedes everything. Now, I got to commend him for just attacking the law. And I got to actually add to what he said or agree with what he just said there. He said, you can kill someone and not even get fingerprinted? Yeah, I kind of agree. Even if you're acting in self-defense, there could come a time where evidence would show otherwise. I think as a process, you should at least be taken down, fingerprinted, released, and if it goes to trial, it goes to trial. If it doesn't, it doesn't go to trial because there's so many moving parts to that. Think about it. You shoot someone. I was standing my ground. Okay, go home. All right. You guys didn't know I still actually had this warrant in another state for whatever. But since I'm not convicted of a crime yet, I'm not technically a convicted felon. But had you fingerprinted me, I would have been arrested and charged and extradited for that warrant. Okay, I'll just go home. 
sure, no problem. So there has to be some type of process other than, oh, you shot someone? Oh, you're scared? All right, then. Go home. We'll, we'll talk to you later if we need to. I kind of agree with that. Just because, yeah, any other shooting, you're going to get fingerprinted. You're probably going to get charged if it's a non-justifiable homicide. But there has to be some kind of process just for those types of purposes. Because we don't know if that person's going to say, you know what? I'm going to flee. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We don't know because there's so much evidence you have to gather. You got to, you still have to get witness statements. You can't just say, yeah, I shot him because I was in imminent fear. All right, go home. You still got to get witness statements. You still got to get surveillance footage. Again, based on what I saw in this Marquise McLaughlin shooting, and you know how conservative I am, but based on what I saw, I would say the shooting is not justified. I would say, yeah, there is a potential that this guy should be charged with murder or at least manslaughter because murder, you have to prove premeditation. But of course, in most states, including Florida, the premeditation could be within that split second that you thought about it. At least, in my opinion, this guy should be charged with manslaughter. But... Or maybe come up with something where you don't actually get charged, but it's documented, it's written down. I know there's a police report, but there's something in the courts. So the courts could go back and review and say, yeah, maybe we need to look at this. Now, what I will agree with, in all seriousness, is the prosecutor should have the say. But in most states that have the stand-your-ground law, it's law enforcement that has the say whether there was a stand-your-ground or whether there was homicide, manslaughter, or you name it. The prosecutor, that is their job to say whether there's enough probable cause to charge someone with the crime and to take it to trial and with the opportunity, the chances of winning the case. I will agree with that. I think all of these cases should be left up to the prosecutor and not only because that's the prosecutor's job, but I'm going to go back full circle, look at how people view police right now in this country. And now you have this city down in Florida. Again, Al Sharpton showing up, Benjamin Crump's already showing up and they're blaming it on not just Dreiska or whatever his name was, They're blaming it on the white police chief in that city and saying it's all about race. So the fix to that is put that decision in the hand of the prosecutor because the prosecutor could say yay or nay, and it does not affect the relationship in the community between the police in the community because the police can simply come back and say the decision is not ours it is the prosecutor the prosecutor is reviewing the case so you can't come back to me and say you're a racist police chief you can't come back and demand my resignation 
You can't come back and say my entire department is racist because the decision is not mine. So I agree with that 100%. I support that 100%. Make the prosecutor responsible for making these decisions. But hey, I always urge you, don't take my word for it. Go watch the video for yourself. Marquise McLaughlin. Marquise M-A-R-K-E-I-S. McLaughlin, like a Glock handgun. McLaughlin. Go watch the video for yourself. See what you think. Again, me, based on my training, based on my experience, I did not see an imminent threat there. But as I said at the start of this, it's not my reasonable assumption. It is Dreska's reasonable assumption that he has to articulate. So go watch it. Find out for yourself. Tweet me. Tweet me your thoughts at Vincent Hill TV on Twitter, on Instagram at Vincent Hill TV. VincentHillTV.com is the website. Send me your comments if you like once you watch the video. It's time for me to switch gears because we are out of time. And with that, it's time for my 10-7 segment. Tonight, I want to honor police officer Adam Edward Jobbers Miller, Fort Myers Police Department, end of watch, Saturday, July 28th, 2018. Police officer Adam Jobbers Miller succumbed to a gunshot wound sustained on July 21st, 2018 after responding to an assault and larceny call at a gas station at 3915 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard at approximately 7.30 p.m. As officers arrived, the suspect fled on foot along Flint Drive with Officer Jobbers Miller in pursuit. The man opened fire with a handgun, striking Officer Jobbers Miller. Another officer transported him to Lee Memorial Hospital, where he remained until succumbing to his wound this past Saturday, July 28, 2018. The suspect was taken into custody at the scene after being shot and wounded. Officer Jobbers Miller had served with the Fort Myers Police Department for three years, and he had previously served as a firefighter with the Wayne Fire Department in New Jersey. He was 29 years old, and he had served on the police department for three years. I want to thank you, sir, for paying the ultimate sacrifice in your protection of your community, your protection of the people in that community. Godspeed to you, my prayers to your family and friends and loved ones and brothers and sisters in blue. And to you, I say thank you as always for listening to this crazy guy here on Beyond the Badge every Tuesday night on RadioInfluence.com, the only place you'll find Beyond the Badge. Thank you and good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. There's parity in the respect that with scholarship limitations, a lot of players can go to more places and you've got more programs that do a pretty nice job. 
But when you really look at it, as it relates to national powers, they are the haves and the have-nots. Anybody that's listened to me for any time on various radio shows, this podcast, knows that we really need to have a greater separation between the Power Five schools and the Group of Five schools. The whole discussion about Central Florida was just a bunch of hype that was a bunch of foolishness. A program that had a really good year, but didn't play a schedule that was commensurate of even consideration for the playoffs. And folks, beating a good team in a bowl game does not give you the right to say, yeah, we're unbeaten, therefore we didn't get a chance. There's a different class level of programs, and it is very evident. And I, I think that as we're getting further and further into the current college football system, it's more and more evident that we need to have a separation of Power Five versus Group of Five. Chris Landry brings you Landry Football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.